Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're taking a look at the new uh, Top Gun Maverick, that, that hot new Top Gun movie everybody's been talking about. We're going to take a look at it and tell you what we thought. We also are going to talk about some things that are coming up, exciting movies you're going to want to keep an eye out for, because June and July are straight up stacked. It's bananas. I knew there were a lot of things coming out, but Andy put the outline together before we started the show, and it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And before we get to all that, we need to talk about the news. And, and a quick note for the show, not, 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 two, not two movies this week. Normally we do two, unless we have like a big blockbuster or a big feature. We knocked out Top Gun, and neither of us could commit to watching the new Harry Potter movie. <laughs> I didn't have three hours to set aside. Right. And only because it came out yesterday, we didn't have a full week to watch it. It was just tight on timing, so we figured, you know what, let's just knock out Top Gun this week. Give it its due diligence. And then we'll talk about what's next. Uh, our first story for the news this week. Uh, new data shows that fewer movies are being released, signaling a major threat to theaters. Andy, what do you know about fewer movies coming out? So fewer movies are coming out in theaters. Uh, th we still get a lot of movies uh, for streaming. But uh, to give you some numbers, uh, there's a 33% drop in films released between now and uh, pre-pandemic uh, 2019, which was like a banner year for, for film revenue, um, and the, which means the overall box office is still down about 40% from, again, pre-pandemic time. So things are looking better, but it's still going to be a few more years before we're like, completely recovered. Andy and I obviously do a lot of episodes of Off Script, and we've been doing them through the pandemic, so we're a little bit more privy to this information. But if you're just tuning in for the first time, yeah, movie theaters are coming back. They're doing a little better, but we're still not quite where we expect to be. I think this is mostly just studios testing the waters. There was a long time when nobody wanted to put a movie in theaters. Everybody was scared, and studios like Warner Brothers tentatively went forward with uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet or films of the like, uh, and they did not do great. So right now, a lot of studios are still making features, they're still putting them together, and everybody's a little scared to just jump into the pool because they don't know what's gonna happen. So I think we're ramping up. I think we're getting into summer. I think good things are coming. Um, but I guess this isn't too surprising, right? Especially because of just the release windows. Lately, it's been like two weeks per film. Right. It, the other thing is that a lot, a lot of these smaller films are just going straight to streaming. Uh, this article from Insider actually start, uh, mentions the movie Prey, which is in the Predator universe, uh, is go going straight to Hulu. And we know an, of another film, other films going straight to HBO Max or straight to Paramount Plus or whatever service, um, you know, whereas before they, you know, they might have gone to theaters just because people were more casual about going. Yeah, there's a bit in here about theater owners trying to court Netflix into putting their films into theaters longer to try to help kind of stem this. Um, it's unclear whether or not they're going to do it. Netflix does have some exciting features on the table, like Ryan Johnson's new film, uh, his Knives Out sequel. And I would imagine that will probably be going to theaters, at least for some kind of limited window, for at least awards season eligibility, right? They want that movie to go out and win all the awards for Netflix, which is great. Um, but I, I think theaters are okay i don't i don't think theater owners are like really hurting uh and it just seems like sunny skies for them in the future so i don't know if running to streaming services like netflix and hbo and asking them to put their movies in theaters longer are i don't know the best strategy then again i like for for all for all of my my talk here i i've said an awful lot about how poorly i think theater owners in general have handled <laughs> the pandemic so i it's far be it for me to tell them how to run their businesses because it's it's complicated well, Another issue, and this is something you sent me, is that 
so much of theater going has become just the big event tent poles, the Marvels, the Star Wars, uh, those kinds of films. And so then what, what you're not getting as much as people just going out on Friday night and say, oh, let's just see what's at the theater and we'll just see whatever's there. And it's uh, people are, are much, much more uh, careful about what they come out for. And that this is kind of a negative thing for the theaters because theaters really want people going out every single week or a few times a month at least. Um, and if you basically only put all your money behind the big tent poles, then that means, you know, it's going to be feast and famine at the, at the theaters. Yes. It also means we're going to have a cultural uh, insensitivity to movies that are a little bit more sincere, right? Smaller features. Uh, and that's not great, but hopefully there's a bit of, bit of a comeback for that. It's not just people going to see comic book movies in the new fast and furious feature, uh, at least in the case of top gun, that's something nostalgic and kind of new, but it is, it is a legacy property. I, I, I don't know exactly where things are headed, but keep it here on off script for more. Uh, our next story, Winnie the Pooh horror movie is teasing a slasher film plot. Pooh and Piglet go on a rampage and Winnie the Pooh blood and honey. What the hell is this, Andy? I saw this headline. I, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like an onion article, uh, but it's f- for real. Uh, Winnie the Pooh made famous by uh, author A.A. A. Milne. Uh, just came into, or some of the early stories just came into public domain as of January 1st, 2022. And so uh, uh, this company has taken it upon themselves to write a horror story of the two main characters, Winnie and Piglet, going on some sort of rampage after being abandoned uh, at home by Christopher Robin, who's gone off to college. It's a very kind of Toy Story-esque uh, kind of story. Um, also interesting to add that Tigger is not, public domain so he will not be appearing in this but uh winnie the pooh and piglet will this is some william castle hucksterism that like i think the world needs more of uh obviously this is going to be a small production the reason this is possible is because of the winnie the pooh property uh recently went to the public domain just five months ago remember that's the original story by a milney that walt disney bought rights to not the Disney version of Winnie the Pooh. You can't do the yellow bear with the red shirt, I think. I'm pretty sure they have that character design specifically copyrighted. But as far as the characters, right, Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, I, th- I think it's pretty much free game. At least that's what the studio out of England is saying. This is a 10-day shoot, and they didn't say how much it costs to make, but they said it's not going to be a Hollywood I mean, level of production. I mean, it no looks surprise. like it costs about $10 to make. <laughs> I love how fast, yeah, the, the wheels of capitalism turn under stuff like this right it's it's in the public domain better go make a dollar on it uh who knows could be fun you know we've, we've watched junk on this show before <laughs> like it, it may not be bad hopefully we get the opportunity to see it here it'll probably come to a streaming service right uh, after they make their dollars um but yeah, an interesting I mean, it, idea yeah well and what's interesting is like you said is they have to avoid disney as much as possible or any confusions with the the disney versions of of winnie the pooh so Again, like Zach said, we're not getting uh, orange or yellow bear with red shirt. Red shirt. Uh, we're getting completely new character designs, different, you know, it's a, obviously this horror story. And so they have to make just make sure that it, it's not in any way going to be confused with Disney's God. Winnie the Pooh. If you're watching the Facebook Live where we stream the show every Tuesday, uh, you can see this image they got of this guy in a mask. It's pretty close. Like, it's pretty close to Winnie the Pooh, as you'd expect. Uh, you know, it'll work, though. Uh, good for them, I guess. Keep it here on script for more about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. God, what a, what a title.
Uh, our last story regarding the box office this week, uh, probably to the surprise of not many, Top Gun 2 is crushing it with a $160.5 million Memorial Day weekend opening. Good God. The film's got an A-plus on CinemaScore. It's got the biggest opening of Tom Cruise's career and the biggest Memorial Day weekend ever. Andy, is Top Gun saved cinema? Is Top Gun brought, brought the movies it, back? It's helping. That That's for sure. Um, yes, this was t- tracking for maybe a hundred, hundred and twenty million dollar opening. Blew that out of the water. One hundred and sixty million glo- uh, domestic, two hundred sixty five million or so uh, global. So it's it's making big money right away. And the really big story here is that older audiences finally came out. Not now. That's not the top end. That's not like the over forty crowd. It's the basically eighteen and up. It's the teens who weren't into it for for a change but the um and actually the 18 to 24 demographic was the biggest part part that fueled uh the weekend but we had just large amounts of of people from basically every demographic over 18 so it's a huge hit it's the biggest opening for memorial day weekend it's tom cruise's biggest hit it's paramount's biggest opening um so it, it's a big deal, and we'll see if this kind of spurs off on more kind of di- diverse audiences coming to the to the theater because most of what's f- been fueling the box office the last two years are superhero flicks and the under under thirty five uh, demographic. Yeah, over seventy percent of Top Gun 2's audience is over the age of twenty five, uh, which is wild. Fifty five percent over the age of thirty five. Uh, it's definitely older folks going to see this movie, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I, I I enjoyed the discourse around Top Gun Maverick. Like, I like people being excited about it. Film Twitter is like so excited about it. It comes back on itself and eats eats its own tail like a snake. Like the irony has looped back in, and it's like they're acting like it's obviously the biggest thing that ever happened to cinema, and it's a big deal. Top Gun, and we'll get in the review here in a second. Like what we actually think about the film. Top Gun Maverick is. Uh, a big deal, and I get it, but like it's definitely not the first. Uh, it's not the first movie out of the pandemic to be a big hit. I think it's just the first movie a lot of the olds think is a really big hit. Like Spider Man crushed it. Spider Man had huge numbers, and that was months ago. But uh, this is a big deal for a big movie going audience who otherwise has been pretty quiet. So it's good to see them back in the movies. Like it's good. It's good to get these people back into the tent. Uh, God, I, I could do with not having to hear about boomers bringing back movies, though. <laughs> like that's, well, well, to, that's to the keep... worst. That's the worst read on this headline. Like, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been it's been adults, but not older adults. You know, it's it because, ha- like I said, most of the superhero stuff is the basically zero to twenty four, zero to thirty age range, and this is for once eighteen and up. But if you look at Downton Abbey two, which came out last week. uh, numbers were way down for that film compared to the first one. The The first one opened about $30 million. Downton Abbey 2 opened to $15, $16 million. So it's that, and that, that is aimed at like the 50 and up crowd. And they, they didn't really come out to it as much as uh, they had hoped. And so the, there's still a long way to go. Like I said, the, the recovery is going to take several years. Things are looking good right now. There's a lot of movies on the horizon, but it's still going to be several years to completely recover. Yep. And it seems like Ty, it seems like Tom Cruise may be, may be the one bringing it back, right? What an interesting an interesting journey for our young psycho movie star. Well, it's not so young anymore, I guess. Like, he's a little older. And that we should probably get into the review. Uh, Andy, do you want to do a summary on this one, or should I? I didn't actually figure it out before we started the show. Um, I will give it a go. And also, just uh, disclaim, right. dis- disclaimer, uh, IMDb is down. So Yeah! <laughs> good. good. <laughs> 
I'm gonna have to use my um, blind, memory. blind, baby. That's right. That's right. It's not the plane. It's the pilot. It's the pilot. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. So, Top Gun Maverick is the sequel. Thirty-six years after uh, the original Top Game Gun came out in 1986, directed by Tony Scott, huge, huge cultural hit, big impact on American cult culture, military culture, just a whole lot of things. An '80s classic. And where are we? Uh, Thirty-six years later, well, we find Mavericks uh, still. Uh, flying for the Navy. He is a test pilot and he is called back to Top Gun School to train the best of the best for a very uh, kind of death-defying mission. Uh, they've corralled like eight, 12 pilots, something like that. And there's a mission that has to be done and, and it's something that will push all the pilots, all their experience, the the what the planes can and can't do. And Maverick's the only person who... Uh, can teach them and and no and who no one believes in by the way which which i i really like um john ham is in this he's kind of one of the commanders he's like i don't even know why you're here i don't know what you have to offer um you know i was just told to bring you in so so that's he's the I'm... he's he's the goddamn it maverick character like sitting yeah. in the control room like god damn it maverick yeah, yeah. um Meanwhile, one of the re- recruits is rooster which is the son of anthony kerrigan and Anthony Edwards, son of Ed- Goose. Yeah, uh, Anthony Edwards' character, Goose, who perishes in the first movie. And so there's a lot of built-in tension, a lot of built-in conflict, which I think worked really well. You have Rooster, who is there having to learn from the man who potentially was responsible for his father's death. Uh, they don't get along. No one, ex- and like everyone t- treats uh, Maverick like a dinosaur. No, no, no one is respectful to him in like the whole area of the city. Like he's like, he kind of <laughs> struts around like he's going to be a local legend and everyone's like, get out old man. Uh, so it's, it's a really interesting and updated approach. And I think it's part of what helped help this work really well. But our main, like I said, our, our main plot, we got this death defined mission. We got to train pilots to do it. We got some tension amongst the pilots themselves because they're all hot shots, all have big egos. And then of course, Maverick and Rooster ha- have some real history. So that is our setup. Zach, what'd you think? So I thought Top Gun Maverick was a ton of fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed reading uh, people's opinions on it since it came out, hearing what other people think. I have not heard a single negative review. Like everything I've heard about this movie is so glowingly positive. It's almost ironic, at least in Twitter's case. Uh, I liked it a lot. It's a lot of fun. I, I need to go see it again. I probably wouldn't mind seeing it in IMAX because uh, I hear that's a good time. Uh, I think going in, I was a little too hyped for it. <laughs> <laughs> I came out feeling pretty good, and then everybody else in the world seems to come out of that theater and said it was amazing. So I need to, I need to revisit it. I think, but Top Gun Maverick was a lot of fun. What do you think, Andy? Um, I I was really surprised by it, and I w- I was super skeptical going in. I was like, there's, and also like Top Gun, the original Top Gun is not really a great movie, but it was a very important one historically, just because it it really connected with audience. It's a huge cultural milestone, but it's like. Mm from like a storytelling perspective it's kind of it's very cliche like there's a bunch bunch of uh just cliche archetypes um 
So I was kind of skeptical. And also these legacy sequels have not been particularly good. All that like no. think of, I mean, The, the Force Awakens, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Ghostbusters with the 2016 one. Uh, it is hard to make a sequel that kind of builds on the world, builds on the characters and isn't just uh, nostalgia bait. And we do get plenty of that. Like the opening, the opening is basically the, the same as the original opening. It's like this down to the same font planes on a, on a, uh, aircraft carrier incredibly you, safe yes yeah we're yeah. just gonna do the exact same gag yeah and you got uh tom cruise looking exactly like he did in 1986 same haircut same glasses he's got his leather jacket he's got his bike he's yeah, run, he looks, he riding his bike on, he was like 23 in the old one like he's now he's 59 yeah, 36 yeah it doesn't look right? yeah not exactly but it's yeah. i mean he he looks incredibly young for for his age but so we get a, a lot of the the nostalgia stuff put on there and originally and initially i was like oh is this just going to be two hours of nostalgia but it, it really turns a corner by introducing when it gets to the story it's actually really compelling because you have this uh the conflict really works like the you have this mission which i'm not i'm not going to spoil but you have something that is very dangerous and that these the military basically the military is like we need to put you on what is not quite a suicide mission but we're not going to call it a suicide mission, but um, you know, if you don't come back, the, that's part that's okay with us. Uh, and he has to, I mean, push push these pilots far beyond anything they can go. The way I was trying to think of it is, if you were like a Formula One driver, and you know, you can do the lap in thirty seconds, they say you need to do it in twenty five. And you're like, well, I'm ar- I've already pushed myself the vehicle as much as it can go. How do I? That's it's a little bit like that. And like I said, the interpersonal relationships, the conflict there works really well. There's a lot of infighting between the uh, the pilots, uh, Roost, between Rooster and Maverick, between Maverick and his uh, officials who are like, what are you doing? We don't even know why you're here. We hate you. Everyone hates you. Like, like you should have been uh, dis- discharged. Uh, but it, it really does work. And the way the plot slowly um, kind of evolves also really works it avoids a lot of kind of cliches and pitfalls um, and the pilot stuff the the, the air the dog fighting stuff the stuff in the planes is is incredible it it really is and we saw it in the glorious d-box seats 21 dollars tickets um that shake and move and rumble um and really added a lot to the to the experience but uh it was really a fantastic time at the movies it's some of the most fun I've had in a while. And I was really surprised because I, I didn't expect to like this or enjoy it at all. And it really worked. Yeah. So my, my initial kind of shine on this movie, I, I had seen in the second time I went and saw Dr. Strange multiverse of madness, there was a five minute preview of Top Gun Maverick in front of the film. And the first time I went and saw Dr. Strange which was opening night with, with Andy and a couple other folks, no preview, just the trailer, which was a weird choice. Like you'd think opening night you would have run that, but whatever. Maybe it was just the theater we were at. And that five minute preview was basically all aerial scenes, uh, and it was great. And I, I, I think the aerial scenes are the best parts of the movie, hands down. That that's the stuff that's most interesting. Uh, the actors had to do a ton of training leading into the film. They had to take multiple months of courses that Tom Cruise apparently made them take, because uh, he's just that guy. Uh, they had to w- learn how to work the cameras inside of their own cockpits. Like they had to be able to basically 
be, be, be their own cinematographers to make this stuff work. And it looks incredible. Like those, those, those are functionally the best parts of the film to me, I think. And that's, what's important. Cause that's the action bit. That's the dogfighting bit. And uniquely just like nine, Top Gun 1986, Top Gun Maverick is a little lopsided tonally. Uh, you've got the stuff in the air, which is amazing. And you got stuff in the ground, which is fun, but not like incredible, right? It can't be, it's not going to be as good as F-18 screaming across the sky. <laughs> like it's just not, it's not going to be yeah, as cool. Also, that, that's exactly. And that's not what I'm here for. Like yes. if I go see Godzilla versus King Kong, I don't care what the people are doing or what the humans are doing. I'm here to see the, the spectacle. Right. You're, you're here to see the spectacle and, and that stuff plays so great because it's so practical. But additionally, uh, what Andy was talking about was how effective the story is at keeping you on the ground when you're supposed to be like Maverick is not seen as any kind of respected individual at the school. Like everybody kind of thinks he sucks, <laughs> which is, which is a nice shift because obviously Tom Cruise is a larger than life movie star. So to see his character brought back down to earth, especially in the case of Captain Peach, Mit Pete Mitchell, who Tom Cruise has said in previous interviews is a larger than life character. It's how he played him in 1986 to see him diluted down to kind of a shadow of former self and stepping into this mentor older role and stepping out of the cockpit is a really nice change. Now there's plenty of Tom Cruise in the cockpit to look forward to here, but giving our characters a different set of objectives, not just getting students through the Top Gun school and seeing who's the best, but specifically bringing back previous graduates of Top Gun to have them run this like cool stealth mission that Maverick's going to over oversee and plan and, and coordinate with them and train them for. That's interesting because now we have a slightly different step away from just Top Gun school. We got the best in the world, right? The, the cockiest attitudes, the, the, the biggest personalities. Uh, and we've got Maverick trying to wrangle them all in just a short amount of time before the movie's over to run this cool mission and hopefully, you know, succeed at defeating the nameless enemy. Who is nameless? Because this movie's got to run in foreign markets. A weird, a weird step away from a big gung-ho Americana military film that opens with an ad for the Air Force from the Department of Defense. But that's the way the movie is, right? It's cinema and it's fun and it's a popcorn flick and it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Uh, it's it's smart and not only in its like physical presentation and its budget and its special effects, um, but in its script, like in its very basic writing that I thought, uh, you know, it's really clever. Yeah. Like I said, there were so many plot holes or not, sorry, not the plot uh, kind of pitfalls. It could have fallen into a lot of cliches um, or it could have just done a ton of rehashing, uh, which, which has been done with uh, most of these legacy sequels. And, it, and and it, it managed to avoid all that. It, it keeps you really engaged. It, and yeah, like I said, I, I was really skeptical that it would keep my attention outside of like the airplane stuff. And um, it, it really did. I wouldn't be yeah. at this point that like, I mean, they're, they're probably going to look to try and make another one now because of like how successful yes. this has been. T Top Gun Rooster, right? That'll be <laughs> like, that'll be the next thing. Top Gun Trilogy. I think there will be another Top Gun for sure. Yeah, I, I don't think this will be it. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to, to to harp on Tom Cruise's kind of approach to making these things. But like, if you look at Mission Impossible, it seems very obvious that he's going to find like a vehicle he likes and stick with it. Something he can coordinate, something he can he can hang on to and, and kind of use as his own personal project. 
Which is fine because it's well made. If this had been just like a vanity feature, you'd hear about it. If this had just been like Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise, doing you know, making money, being Tom Cruise, that's what people would say. But like it feels like so much more than that. It feels like a really authentic feature, like that's that's honest in its presentation, that that has this kind of unique approach to Tom Cruise and not just being the main character, but kind of stepping to the side a little bit. And like that's exactly where he needs to be in his career. It's exactly the shift he needs to be making in his films man's 59 years old right like he can't be ethan hunt forever uh and in this movie pete, Ma pete mitchell is a smarter wiser pete mitchell he's grown as a character he's not just the same doofus from from 1986 that's important um i do want to talk about some of the other characters i know you already mentioned miles teller as rooster who is anthony edwards uh son in the i film, don't know anyone which... else's name <laughs> yeah I, I i got wikipedia pulled up so i can help you out a little bit what are the odds oh, imdb nice. would be down we're doing the show it's what, what are the odds who would know uh, but Miles Teller's a lot of fun. He looks exactly like Anthony Edwards and Meg Ryan's kid, and he acts like it too. Big guy, broad shoulders, like play, plays music, has the dumb mustache. It's fantastic. And the movie does not, uh, honestly, like Rooster and 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 Maverick. I'd say before the third act, don't get a whole lot of scenes together. It pretty much avoids the conflict up until it needs to be a conflict. So you're not bogged down with like emotional discourse you're just spending the movie moving through exciting segments at like the next set piece because obviously it's all in service of this big stealth mission they got to go do that's that's the big thing that's what everybody's focused on it's not about maverick and goose it's about this mission thing and the maverick goose are kind of on the back end it keeps the action at the forefront which is exactly where it needs to be bit of a relationship uh going on with tom cruise and jennifer connelly's character jennifer connelly does not play kelly mcgillis's character charlie from the previous film yeah. uh she is a bar owner <laughs> local bar by the top gun school called the hard deck uh which is a funny flight-based pun when you go see the film uh she's pretty good i think she's supposed to be a character that was mentioned in the previous films there's something about a i mean maybe i misread that but i remember watching no i think you're right yeah, we watched Top Gun last week for the show, and like once or twice in there, it's mentioned that Maverick went to flight school or whatever because he ended up in trouble with some admin's daughter, Penny. Well, Jennifer Connelly's character is named Penny, and I think that's who that's supposed to be. So he's got like a love interest. He's got this character he's kind of got a rivalry with. He's got these other kids he's got to teach monica barbaro barbaro uh lewis pullman who we haven't seen since bad times the el royale who's just as good in this as he was in that he's probably better in that actually but he's a lot of fun in this and glenn powell uh with probably the breakout performance of the film uh glenn powell's great in this movie he's like Hang this man, man. he's just like maverick in the previous film except yeah, he's, he's, he's an antagonist. Yeah. yeah and he's great like he's so much fun to watch he's got this big toothy smirk like he's he's a delight he's a delight in this movie he's, he's more fun than miles teller yeah uh something that someone pointed out so they all have these call signs and one of them is just bob that's what we said that lewis pullman he's bob, just bob yeah. and and one of the reviews i was listening to is that they were hoping that they were that that was at the end of the movie that was going to stand for something like really crass and said well bob stands for a big old like and sure it never goes it never goes there but it's like it could maybe use some of that uh a little bit, but it does, it tones things down a little bit because I watched another video about all the crimes that, that Maverick commits in the first movie and how he would be like arrested and uh, court-martialed for half of what he does. Th they really dial that down. Like he's, he's still a little bit of a, you know, loose cannon, but he's within the, within the law <laughs> more, more of the time than not uh, in this. So 
again, they do a really great job of just modernizing the film of, you know, not just reliving the 80s, but seeing what what are films like now? What are conflicts and uh, people? There's this film is much more diverse. Um, all those types of things. Yeah. And and, and how uh, speaking to how films are now, I, I was surprised at how censored this movie is. Um, I, I know we mentioned it already, but the, the the bad guys are never named in this movie. <laughs> they just kind of like. I mean, that's in the original to... too. That's yeah, it's that's true. But like, they didn't have to re- worry about the original running in China. Like, in fact, that wasn't even really a concern in that movie until after it came out, and other people said, "Hey, maybe we can market this in foreign markets and add subtitles, and it'll work." Mm-hmm. And then it started move- making money. That's a big part of the reason why Top Gun was a big deal. Actually, it got internationally released. This movie was made with that in mind, and it's weird because this, like I said, this movie does a lot of flag waving, like lots of American flags. Uh, the Department of Defense worked directly with Paramount to produce the film. They loaned them F-18s, they loaned them missiles, like they they put the pilots through or our, our, our actors through training for 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 pilot stuff. Like they did yeah, a lot gotta, of work you, here. You got to play nice with the government. Yeah, and what's if you want to borrow their toys. What's uniquely interesting is like they managed to play nice with the government and get all of these toys, but also produce a film that you can just slap different foreign language subtitles on and will run in any country and will work fine. They never mention Russia. They never mention China. They never say whether they're in Iran or Siberia. None of that's addressed. Middle East, Southeast. Nobody knows where any of this yeah. stuff is I mean, happening. And like, it's it, fine. It doesn't, it doesn't step on the movie too much, but it does feel odd. Like it, it does, it does feel a little weird to me, but that's a minor nitpick. It, um, to me, I, I think it's most closely referencing Iran uh, which I won't, it's spoilers to say why, but that's what, uh, that, that is the country that I was first reminded of. I read that. I thought it was going to be Russia. Um, but then, yeah, I read, I got online and read that people said they thought it was kind of like Iran somewhere in the middle East, kind of a blend of, of different foreign nations, like kind of stuck together for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And which is fine. Like, you don't, you don't need to say, Hey, we're going Axis to attack the evil. Ruskies today. You know, like I, I get it, but like, I do. I don't know. <laughs> it's odd not to have a named enemy. It's just a little weird. Yeah. And I, I'm a little surprised the Department of Defense wasn't like, by God, we're America. And this is, this is what we stand for, baby freedom. But like instead, they're like, no, no, we want to make money in as many markets as we can because we stand for making money. It's a movie. It's fine. I get it. Just just an odd nitpick. But uh, I do want to talk about the D-Box experience for a minute. Uh, Andy's right. We went and saw it in glorious D-Box at Cinemark for $21. Ejected from the cinema ejected i was hoping i would be thrown from my seat in the first five minutes and uh, for those who don't know d-box seats are uh what they call 4d cinema seats your, your seat has motors in the bottom and moves around so it'll sway or buck forward and back like a little like a little like a, a roller coaster ride uh, but not obviously very intense uh they're pretty minor movements but when you're watching the movie like and suddenly an f-18 takes off and your seat rocks back like it you know it's noticeable and that's something that's going to be enjoyable and for a movie like this honestly would recommend i don't know if i'd recommend d-box for pretty much anything more serious than this but like this is exactly the kind of popcorn flick where it's worth it it doesn't throw you around too much it's pretty minor i was hoping i would be yeah, like popcorn up in the air, drinks spilled all over myself. I was, I was, I was hoping it was going to be like violently fun. You can turn those motors up and down as much as you want, all the way up, baby. It was still pretty good, uh, but but you know, would would recommend for what's worth. Yeah, I, I loved it too. I forgot that you can turn up and down the intensity of the the rumble. 
It's because we had one so, setting, which is all the way on. Like that's, yeah, that's I, yeah, we exactly. Yeah. Um, it's only yeah, it's only on four, on four. It's yeah. a lot of fun, and then I forgot how effective it is because the very first thing that it does is like a jerk, kind of the way like when a plane lands and it just is kind of shakes you. That was like the very first thing, and I was like, whoa, oh yeah, this is really kind of intense. I forgot. Yeah, and feeling like the sway of like when when Maverick's on his motorcycle, like when he turns one way, your seat would sway. It, it did feel weird because it swayed the opposite way. It should have in a turn, but that's again nitpicky. Uh, and my favorite D box moment that I, I, is a little bit of a spoiler, but I feel fine with it. Obviously, there's a couple of flashbacks in this film. Uh, one in particular, the flashback of Goose's death, which is tragic uh, when Goose is slammed into the canopy following an ejection uh, and. Promptly snaps his neck instantly. Happened in the 1986 film. We see it again here in grainy <laughs> footage on the screen. And your D-Box seat bucks backward <laughs> when, when, when Goose's head slams into the canopy. And it's like, oh, that's what it felt like. This is what Paramount meant for me to feel like it felt like when, when Goose got hit, slammed into the canopy and, and immediately died. It was amazing. I almost laughed to tears. It's the funniest moment in the movie. It's probably the funniest <laughs> moment I'll ever have in a D-Box seat. Amazing. So if you have the means, if only to feel the crushing weight of Goose's mortality on your conscience, should you go see Top Gun Maverick in D-Box. A delight. An absolute cinematic delight. Most fun I've had of the movies in a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's really great for the plane scenes, but sometimes it's used at other funny moments. Like there's a you know a scene where they're they're playing football on the beach, uh, and you get a little bit of rumble when people are like tackled and pushed around. There's another scene where like they all kind of push and shove each other, getting each other's faces, like they're about to fight, and like the seats will rumble some. And it, to me, that's a little silly. Like I was like, you could just leave this part out. I don't need to you know feel uh, the the rumble. So. I'm glad there yeah. wasn't, uh, you know, a sex scene as well because they would have thrown it in there as well. Yeah, God, that would have been something. Yeah, your seat just rocking. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, overall, Top Gun Maverick is a lot of fun. It feels like a movie you can take anybody to. Like it feels like a movie that pays homage to what it was while also, while also doing something new. I do think there will be another one. It doesn't exactly set up for a sequel, but I mean, it's such a rich idea, and look how much money it just made. Like. It seems inevitable that there will be some follow up to this in some fashion, you know, and hopefully it's just as good as this one, if not better. Um, Andy, any, any other thoughts or recommendations? I think I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend Top Gun Maverick? Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. I, w I was really surprised. Um, I was engaged in the I was engaged the entire time. It was really exciting. They modernized everything like they updated the film they created new conflicts that are interesting and engaging they avoided a lot of the pitfalls that i think a lot of these legacy sequels have done you get plenty of nostalgia as well to uh, you know relive your 80s childhood if you're that old <laughs> um it was, it was a lot of fun if you can see it in imax or xd or d box seat or any kind of premium format definitely recommend that um but it was definitely a lot of fun yeah, I'm in the same boat. Top Gun Maverick is a lot of fun. I, I think it's good to take anybody to, especially your parents, if you have the means. You haven't gotten, gotten them out to the movies in a while. They will, according to, according to statistics, overwhelmingly enjoy it. And from the few other older folks I know in my life that have seen it, they all said it was a ton of fun and they really liked it. Um, I don't think it's particularly military. I know it is 
functionally funded it's, by it's, the Department of Defense. Like, and it is kind of propaganda, but like, it doesn't. It's not sticking it's in your face so the whole time. The, yeah, yeah. It's less. It's not flag wavy the way. Right. If, if anything, Maverick kind of is a flagrant. Like, he kind of throws authority and caution to the winds. So, like, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. I don't think people are gonna f- fly out and join the Navy like they did when the 1986 Top Gun film came out. That was a wild year. Um, but it's a ton of fun. Like I, I no 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 complaints. I'd like to go see it again just so I can kind of take it in fresh. Uh, it reminds me of when I saw Mad Max Fury Road after the first time, and was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And the second time I went and saw it, it was like, doom, like my my eyes were open. So very pleased with Top Gun Maverick. Um, I guess it'll be on Paramount Plus at some point. That'll be that'll be where it'll be. So if you want to see it when it comes to streaming, go check it out Paramount Plus. Otherwise, go see Top Gun Maverick as soon as possible. And with that, we should move on to our next segment. Something a little different on the show. Something we've talked about doing before, but we've never actually put together up until now uh, due to the recent passing of a actor that Andy and I particularly liked. Andy, you want to introduce this? Gone, but not forgotten. I don't know what music... We're gonna put in there. <laughs> we'll have to figure out. What, whoever's listening to this, you'll have heard it by the time I'm saying this. So whatever it was, I hope it was. I hope you got a laugh out of it. You know, we'll come up. Uh, yes, uh, longtime actor Ray Liotta uh, died last week at the age of 67. Uh, died in his sleep. He was actually in the middle of filming a movie, so this wasn't like some, you know, wasn't fighting a secret illness or or anything. Um, Huge actors, uh, storied career uh, started. Uh, actually, I didn't even realize this. He's in Field of Dreams, which I think I've only watched once. I was going to say, IMDb is down, but I got, I got a Wikipedia page up. If I, I can hit you with little. Yeah, hit us with some of the hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was most known for his roles as Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams and Henry Hill in Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. He was a primetime Emmy Award-winning actor. He received a Golden Globe nomination, two Screen Actors Guild Awards nominations. Most recently, we'll have seen him in films like Hannibal, Marriage Story, and The Many Saints of Newark, two of which were reviewed on this podcast. We're Ray Liotta fans, and if you like Scorsese films, like gangster movies, and characters who are just a little dark, I think you'll probably have liked him too. This is a bummer. All right, 67 years old seems early. And uh, I don't know. I, I, we, we've, we've obviously been doing the show long enough that actors and actresses who have meant a lot of us to a lot to us have passed. But this week we had a bit of a light show. And we thought, you know, why not, why not take a second and talk about maybe some fam- famous performances, things we enjoyed. Andy, where do we, uh, where do we go from here? Well, I think my favorite and most people, what he's best known for is, of course, Goodfellas, the 1990 classic uh, by Martin Scorsese, which also starred, of course, Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Uh, Famous, famous uh, gangster flick. Uh, Lorraine Bracco was also in that movie as well. And this is kind of where he, despite not being as kind of as, as, as tough as those other guys in the film, but he kind of joined like the, the gangster, like, I don't know, Hall of Fame, along with people like Joe Pesci and, and Robert De Niro, of course. And he would go on to play the, those types of tough tough bad guys and good guys as, as well, tough cops, that sort of thing. One of my favorite movies of the last few years um, is, I can, oh, I can't remember what year it was, but it's Killing Them Softly, which uh, stars Brad Pitt. Yes. And uh, I, don't, I don't have a year, year but it's listed here in Deadline, yeah. I can say. Um, killing them softly. Yes, where he he plays. Uh, he he kind of is in a is in a 
gangster society and uh, someone robs one of his card games and he kind of takes the fall for it you know even though it's not really his fault he takes his savage beating that's no fun at all and uh, that's a great film which uh, i think we should review on here sometime uh but that's that's one of his more more recent and of course many saints of new work and uh like you said mayor story his, his career was kind of i mean he he wasn't down on his luck but i mean he's just, you know an actor in his 60s that's usually when you're kind of slowing down and he was starting to ramp up and do more work in the last few years so he'll yeah. really be missed. Yeah, he, he will. Um, Leota's known for, I think, yeah, his, his his penchant towards gangster movies, mob movies, thanks for his early work with Scorsese and his breakout role in Goodfellas. Uh, but additionally, his piercing gaze. Uh, I've heard people say before that he's, he's an actor that always looks like there's a lot more going on under the surface than just what you can see. And that makes him perfect for things like mob movies. Uh, my favorite performances of Leota were probably some of his smaller roles where he was elevated um often because of his appearance in these films uh playing uh johnny depp's father in the movie blow was a big one i was liked him in that a lot because he plays this kind of tortured father who sees his son going down this terrible path uh and can't do anything to stop him you know and it's like well you, you you live your own life kid like you can do what you want and that's perfect coming off of a performance like his in Goodfellas, right? It feels like it pays tribute to what came before. He slides into the role super well. Additionally, his, his last big feature that I know of, uh, The Many Saints of Newark, where he co-stars his twin brothers, Hollywood Dick Moltisanti and Salvatore Sally Moltisanti. Really great. Uh, in both roles, uh, not you know, not, not just interchangeable. One is a, a man who's bitter and angry, and another is a man who's in prison who's had to learn to deal with being bitter and angry his whole life. Like really great, really great performances, very subtle um, and very striking. And then yeah, his performance as this attorney in Marriage Story is really funny, and it's a great reminder of how funny he was. A lot of people praise Laura Dern for her performance as the other, like, uh, uh, divorce attorney in that film, but Ray Liotta's great. Like, he's 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 really funny in that movie, uh, and he, he plays it really straight. Lots of lots of small appearances. Uh, I, I never actually saw Killing Them Softly. We probably should do that for the show. Um, just because since this news, I've heard people go back and say, "Hey, yeah, Killing Them Softly is a pretty good movie." That one, people, a lot of people I'm, slept on that. So I'm gonna do the hipster thing and say I was on that movie from the beginning. That movie is really oh, cool. okay. Yeah, I, I just place, remember. The, a, I just remember the poster with Brad Pitt and the shotgun. That's that's all I. Yeah, it's yeah. a recession era kind of gangster movie. It takes place in like post Katrina. New Orleans, uh, with a it's a bunch of like budget gangsters. It's really, um, it's a really good movie. Brad Pitt's in it, uh, as well. James Gandolfini. I should say one more thing while I'm thinking about it. Uh, in video game news, uh, Ray Liotta was the story. It was the voice of Tommy Vercetti in the game Grand Theft in, in Grand Theft Auto Vice City, um, which is also a bummer because that was the big deal uh, as far as far as third person action games go uh you know and he was great at it because he was like this mobster character right later was a lot of fun i think as an actor and, and brought something cool to the screen and it's a bummer he's not around anymore yeah I, I don't know much about his other films last time imdb was up and i was looking him up i know he had like five or six things either in post-production or entering pre-production so yeah andy's right like he wasn't slowing down at all if anything i think he was starting to get back into it and it's a damn shame um yeah, and that's really all right. Any other thoughts, Andy? He'll be missed, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be sure to we'll eventually do killing them softly on the show for sure. 
And I hope we, I hope we do more of uh, Gone but Not Forgotten. It's a unique segment. I, I, I think that segment has legs. We just got to find something, some kind of music Mm -hmm. to stick in front of it, and it'll be great. With that, we should move on to our final segment of the show. There's some exciting stuff coming out in June and July. Uh, A lot of things, actually, and I think it's worth talking about them. Um, Andy, you want to start? What, what are you thinking here? You want, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll kick us off. So this is our summer movie preview. In the summertime when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. For June and July, at least. Um, so the summer movie season is here. It's kicked off with Doctor Strange in early May. And, of course, Top Gun over the Memorial Day weekend. we got a lot of things coming up. Um, this week, a little-known film <laughs> called Crimes of the Future, uh, David Cronenberg's latest. This is kind of uh, indie programming, I guess, because Top Gun is Maverick is essentially going to have two weeks to itself. Uh, definitely excited about that. That looks really weird, really squishy, <laughs> kind of visceral kind Ugh, of film. Yeah. I can't wait to see what that's about. Don't say it's squishy. Exciting. That makes it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like I literally like dry heaved a couple of times watching the t- like I saw the trailer in the I, theater and I was just like huh! it oh. is hard for me to continue looking at the screen when the trailer's on in the theater like it, I have to like look away at a couple of bits like it's just like seeing it all in montage just like body horror body horror like it's it's a lot man I, I don't know what the, where that movie's going um the following week June 10th uh Jurassic World Dominion boo the- Sorry. The sixth movie in the uh, Jurassic Park franchise. The I think this is capping off, maybe, or I'm sure they're going to continue this somewhere. Bringing back everyone, bringing back half the cast of the original film. Uh, Laura Dern, uh, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum showing up. Uh, I'm sure that that's going to make a ton of money. As yes. Well, how do you feel about that? I, I feel like it's creatively bankrupt. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> like I, I have to say I it. just dude, I fell asleep in in Jurassic World the first one and I could barely keep my eyes open in the second one. They are they are CGI, boring, bland. Like it's right up there with Fast and Furious for me. Like I just don't care. Um you know, I'll go see it for the memes. And hey, I I'm I'd love to see the old cast back, right? Sam Neill back at it as Alan Grant, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, why not? But I uh, eh, I mean dinosaurs are a, yeah. Dinos- yeah, exactly. Dinosaurs yes. are a hit. Uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a tremendous the, hit for Universal. Yeah, following the very next week, June seventeenth is Lightyear. Of course, the next film in the Pixar anthology <laughs> of films, uh, the backstory of the famed Buzz Lightyear, where the the toy that we all know and love came from. Uh, that's going to be a mass. I'm really looking forward to that. It 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 would be it, it would be silly of me to say that the previous film, Jurassic World Dominion, is creatively bankrupt, and this movie. It's not, but it's not. Uh, Lightyear is doing something a little different. It's not just Buzz Lightyear from the Toy Story movies. It's this kind of like idea of Buzz Lightyear as a character. And Chris Evans is taking the helm and sounds like Chris Evans playing Buzz Lightyear. He's not just Chris Evans doing Chris Evans. You got new characters, the spinoff of the Lightyear show that Disney made back in the day. It's new stuff. I don't know. It, it could be it could be pretty good. Although Taika Waititi's in it. And I my God, am I getting tired of hearing that, man? Uh, next up. <laughs> In June, June 24th, we have Baz Luhrmann's Elvis coming to the big screen. Uh, this movie got a 12-minute standing ovation at Cannes. Uh, it also got reviews of people saying it's the worst trash they've ever seen. Cannot wait to see what is going on in this movie. Uh, if it's anything like Baz Luhrmann's other films, it'll be divisive and probably kind of bad. Uh, we've all, <laughs> any, any thoughts on, any thoughts on Elvis? Really- 
I'm really looking forward to it. I love Baz Luhrmann. He is so intense. Like he he yes. cuts like every man's not to you know like half just yeah. half second. Lots of energy. I mean, we're gonna get. Uh, I think a really creative film. We're talking about all these films being creatively bankrupt. I think we're he's gonna he goes balls to the wall. We're it's gonna be super creative, very intense. I've heard Austin Butler's amazing as yep. as Elvis as far as his, his performances and and not so much of the like because I, I really hate when people are just doing impressions of real life people but I, I I've heard his reenactments of the performances are really top notch um, so I'm really looking forward to that yeah uh, me, me me too I, for 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 all of my sass like I do enjoy going and watching Baz Luhrmann's films because you never you never know exactly what you're gonna get you know it's gonna be a, an acid trip of a movie. Uh, next up, we've got The Black Phone coming to theaters on June 24th. This is that new horror film starring Ethan Hawke as a, a, a kind of masked, I don't know, vigilante character who's kidnapping kids in local neighborhoods. Uh, one kid he kidnaps at the beginning of the film finds in his uh, lair a black phone that's plugged into the wall. And when he picks it up, he can hear the voices of other kids who have been kidnapped previously. Yeah, yeah, Andy's got it right. It looks like a real snooze fest. <laughs> so, so this was it looks supposed fine. To, yeah, I I don't know. Yeah. So this was supposed to come out in either fe- early February or late January, and because we're still dealing with uh, the Omicron variant of of the COVID virus, we it got pushed, and it got pushed all the way to summer, which I feel was maybe too much because I was like, this doesn't. It, I mean, maybe it's counter programming, but it just it doesn't. It's not a big summer blockbuster. It's not a horror movie. Everyone's gonna come out. If anything, sounds like it should have came out on streaming. It looks like a ripoff of it in a lot of ways because he's got like this white van that he gets people in, and oh, he's got these black balloons. That's what it is. The balloons. Um, there's a little bit of so he's a Ethan Hawke is a kidnapper, but then there's like a supernatural element where like the ghosts of the kids he has murdered then like come back and help one of the people. Like there's. There's too much going on. I'm just talking through it. I'm like, this should have come to streaming. Yeah, it sounds like something with the premise of almost like uh, Denis Villeneuve's Prisoners, like, but with all of the like emphasis of just like a crappy straight to red box movie. Like, it looks fine, I guess. But yeah, it's getting a lot of ad play, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and lastly, in June 24th, uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, new A24 feature based on the web web series web shorts uh, from Jenny Slate and her husband about a young uh, sh- seashell stop motion animated seashell uh, that's just trying to figure out what the world's like. Kind of a documentary style uh, film. I'm gonna be honest that this this one tugs in my heartstrings a little bit. I, I am interested in seeing Marcel the Shell's shoes on because I love those old videos and Christine loves those old videos and and they're pretty cute and it's exciting to see this character come back. I don't think it'll make a lot of money for A24. <laughs> I think it's very niche. What? Does? Um, but you, right, yeah. But what does Andy? What do you think about Marcel? Uh, it looks all right. It looks cute. Um, I think this is just a very interesting week in general because uh, June 24th, you're going to have the Elvis biopic, very adult-oriented, the Black Phone, horror, and then you have this kind of kids movie. You're also going to have some leak, uh, some overflow from Lightyear the previous week. So it'll be kind of – that weekend's going to be up for grabs. Yeah, um, and Marcel, uniquely, I don't think is – it's. I guess it's being marketed as a family flick. It is not really a children's film. Yeah, I don't, I don't even though yeah, it kind of is, you got like kids, that's who it should be. If, yeah, if you got kids, you're not going to Elvis, right? But like, I don't see a Marcel trailer running in front of like the new Minions movie. Like, it's so I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that one's gonna do very well. I don't know if it's got direction, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. What's what's coming up in July? 
speaking of minions, the uh, oh God, prequel yeah, film, <laughs> the prequel film Minions: Rise of Gru, uh, hits its theaters July first, which is uh, a Friday. Going in, which it, it's weird, it covers the Independence Day weekend, which is always a big movie weekend. I'm actually I'm surprised that uh, a bigger film didn't come out over that, but that's that's going to be huge. Those movies, Illumination always makes a ton of money. Those films are, are cute. We all, most people just hate minions. We can't stand them, but they're, they're cute. And they make a lot of money. Um, I'm not interested for that, but I'm sure there's lots of families and kids that will go see that. I'm looking forward to the soundtrack by Tame Impala. That's about it. <laughs> I don't, it's kind of like fast and furious movies, right? They make a billion dollars. I, I, I don't care to see them. Like, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure. It's a lot of fun, but eh. Yeah, you got, you got kids? Go go see Minions. You're, you're going to love it. July 1st. And finally, uh, July 8th, the next week, we get Thor, Love and Thunder. Hey! The fourth film in the uh, the Thor series, directed by Taika Waititi. This is going to be the other big Marvel film of the summer, in addition to Doctor Strange. This is probably argu- arguably going to be a lot bigger than Doctor Strange. We get... Um, uh, obviously, Thor, Chris Hemsworth. We see Natalie Portman also becoming Th- Thor. They're all just called Thor. You don't call him She Thor or anything like that. Um, and uh, Russell Crowe's in it as well. And Kristen Bale is the bad guy named Gore the God Butcher. So we'll see what that's all about. It's going to be a massive uh, couple of weeks there at the theater. Yeah, Thor Love and Thunder is going to be interesting because it's being the direction of his career as of late, I think that movie is going to draw on a lot of gender queer audiences. Uh, it's also going to push a lot of like big dude bros out who are like woman Thor. Well, I can't have that. My, my comic book moves bullshit, but like I, I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't know if it'll make as much money as Dr. Strange to traditionally Thor movies don't do that well, but I also didn't think Dr. Strange was going to do that amazing. The peak obviously would be something like Spider-Man. I don't see it getting up there, but Taika Waititi's taken Thor in an interesting direction. It is not the Kenneth Branagh films of Thor 1 and Thor The Dark World, right? These are something new. They're different. They're tie-dye. And they're about Thor figuring out who he is. And it's also got Guardians of the Galaxy. So, like, yeah, that movie's probably going to do gangbusters. What I'm not sure about is The Gray Man on July 15th coming out to Netflix. We talked about this last week. This is Ryan Reynolds' first new movie in a minute. Also stars Chris Evans as a slimy villain. This is a remake of an older film about CIA agents and some guy who's super tough, right? Mission Impossible, whatever. It looks all right. It, it does look a little small time compared to the new Mission Impossible trailer, but it is coming straight to Netflix. So we'll have to see. And any thoughts on The Gray Man? Uh, I might see it. I, I, I mean, I love the the cast. Um, Chris, oh, is it Chris Hemsworth? Chris Evans. Chris Evans. I Chris Evans. The other guy, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan I, Gosling. I love Who'd I say? Two. Did I say Ryan Reynolds? I think. I think no, Ryan I just. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, hit, I, I did the stream of consciousness thing. You do sometimes. Yeah, it's just like it's fine. Yeah. Um, and then Anna Darmus, uh, of course, she's always lovely to see in in films and action stuff. Uh, so I, I'll be seeing that because of who's in it, not because it looks like a great film. I, at this point, there's I, I have very like I can't even bring myself to watch like a Netflix trailer half the time. Right, Netflix's reputation. <laughs> God, yeah, they're really they've really done something themselves. Uh, additionally, on July fifteenth, we're getting a theatrical film called "Where the Crawdads Sing." It's actually based on a book that I know won a, won a bunch of awards because I got it for my mom for Christmas a couple years ago, and she really enjoyed it. I haven't read it, uh, but I know it's about a young girl who uh, is in. 
I'm going to say the swamps of New Orleans, right? Cajun country where she grows up primarily by herself out in the swamp, like doesn't Raised have a lot of family by and friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then as she gets older, she begins to actually kind of grow into the city, develop relationships with people, a little like uh, Jungle Book. But uh, in the second half of the book, there's a bit of a murder mystery. And I think she's either suspect because of her, you know, interesting background or she's involved. The trailer makes it look like it's going to be much more about that and a lot less about like the finding yourself that the book seemed to imply. I don't know what exactly that difference is, but for what it's worth, the book won a bunch of awards and the movie will probably do really well too. And any, any hot takes on this one? This is like the summer's Oscar worthy film. It's got an Oscar title, you know, where the crawdad thing. It's it could be about a million different things. It reminds me a little bit of Forrest Gump. Like it's that kind of, you know, tug at your heartstrings. Have, yes. uh, it stars Daisy Edgar Jones, who who we watched in Fresh earlier, and, and who's in a bunch of things now, including this. Uh, we'll see if she pulls out that kind of performance, or if it's that that kind of movie, or if it's just like some sad sap. Because sometimes you get these really great books that are adapted poorly to screen. Uh, we'll see, but this is that's kind of what it is. It's the the kind of big Oscar film of the summer. Mm. And to uh, finish up July, we have Nope uh, coming out July 22nd in theaters. That is, of course, Jordan Peele's latest horror film uh, starring Daniel Kaluuya. And uh, we don't really know much about it. It's about some horse, uh, Hollywood horse ranchers uh, and aliens coming down. And it looks positively Seems scary. like we aliens. Actually haven't, we, yeah. we have not actually seen... Well, we haven't seen the second trailer either. We've just kind of seen one preview so it's uh right that trailer's almost all tone a trailer's almost all tone and no plot which is exactly what a good trailer should be and let me tell you like the first time i saw that trailer i liked it the first time i saw it on the big screen with the lights off in a movie theater for a movie i loved it god i'm getting tired of watching it now though like this movie can't get here soon (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's like when we it's like when we had to watch top gun trailer for two years or more for two years god i feel like i've seen it so many times i i am excited to see it i love that i don't know more Jordan Peele's what two and zero here. You can't go wrong. Like uh, us and, and Get Out, we're both great. We're gonna have to see. Uh, Note coming July twenty second. And then finally, finishing up July 29th is DC is uh, the DC League of Super Pets, which is an animated, family friendly, kid friendly film. I'm not super interested in this, but I'm I'm sure it'll be be really good with uh, kids and families. Yeah, DC has done some unique things with their kind of like kid-oriented properties. You can look at something like Teen Titans Go, and especially like Teen Titans Go to the movies, like an otherwise under the radar kids film that actually had a lot of fun playing around DC mythos and some of its characters and where they've come from. Um, I'd be interested to see if this does that too. It looks a little safer. It looks a lot like, especially with the pet orientation, it looks like Secret World of Pets. Um, or or like another Illumination film. Um, I, I, it's cool to see Dwayne The Rock Johnson heading up uh, our, our, our lead dog. We've also got Kevin Hart in there. Um, I don't know. At some point, this is, this is me getting old and like shouting at clouds, but like it, it does seem like a lot of these animated films just like wheel out the roster of popular celebrities that they can stick on the poster like to make money right like that's it's a little how this one feels i'm like okay yeah you got a bunch of bunch of celebrity voices and the kids are gonna love it right a cute animal and like a fart joke in there it's gonna be great i know it's me getting old i know it's me being cynical movie's probably gonna make a bunch of money i hope it does dc could use the bump so that's 
the June July movie preview, I think. There's a ton of stuff coming out. And it's weird because up to this point, it's been like one movie every two weeks. Now, wheels off, baby. We're going to put stuff out yeah. all the time. There's still some still, still some gaps in there, but it sounds like an awful lot when you put it together. Hopefully, it's a stack summer. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be winners and losers. Uh, it's going to be blood on the cutting room floor. Uh, I think the biggest risk here is probably Elvis. I'm excited about that biopic, but I could see it just not connecting with audiences. Boz Lerman, man. Yeah, it's either going to be Moulin Rouge or it's going to be junk. Like you're, you're going to get yeah. something something in there. We'll see what happens. I, I'm excited to see it. I hope it doesn't... The, word, the most damning previews I've heard so far are it falls in every every pitfall that any music biopic does right it's the same right. biopic does like it's the same well, i once so heard i once read an article that said you know we would stop making cliche biopics if musicians stopped living cliche lives <laughs> they didn't yes. all fall into those same but right yeah the, if y'all didn't all have the same creative hero's journey here which many of them seem to do but Next week on the show, excited about what we're talking about. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the Bob's Burgers movie, which just came out last week. We thought we'd hold to see what we were doing this week. We ended up seeing Top Gun, so that's what we're doing next week. And we're also taking a look at Crimes of the Future, the David Cron Cronenberg film coming out June 3rd. That movie we were just talking about that Andy and I can't watch the whole trailer for because we get squeamish. That movie. We're going to go see that. We'll let you know what we think. Um, I'm not going to make it through. Without God, like I know. Closing I my eyes or hurling. Need a barf bag, man. Like I don't know if I'm gonna make it through. Like, like I said, just just the trailers, seeing all those things back to back is a lot. So we will see what happens with Crimes of the Future. And if you want to see what happens with us, uh, keep up with the show. You can follow us on Facebook where we live stream the show every week. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're on YouTube where we post our live streams. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Art Media, all the usual places. But if you want to keep up with what we're doing next week and maybe you get our episode delivered straight to your phone so you don't have to go find it, you can just subscribe. To subscribe to Offscript on any of those exciting platforms, and we will deliver our episodes straight to you post-haste as soon as we've got it done and ready to roll. Uh, you can find more about us on our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. You can write in correspondence to the show, and let us know what you thought of uh, Top Gun Maverick, maybe your favorite Ray Liotta performance, movies that are coming up, just whatever's on your mind. Write in, we might even read it on the show. Uh, you can write it to us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. Dot com or just go ahead and comment on that Facebook video or hit us up on Twitter. You know, we're, we're, we're around. Uh, but most importantly, subscribe to Oscar Film Review for more exciting movie reviews just like this one. Andy, anything else? I feel like I feel like I picked up and ran with the outro there. I think that's I think it's <laughs> it. I think that's, it. It. I think I think that's it. All right. From all of us at Oscar, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.